You are listening to a message from City Church of Richmond, located in Richmond, Virginia. We are a broken people, loved by God, continually restored by Christ, and sent out to worship God, serve our city, and work for its renewal. To learn more about City Church and to find out how to get connected to our community, visit our website at citychurchrva.com. That's C-I-T-Y-C-H-U-R-C-H-R-V-A.com. And thanks for listening. My name is Eric Bonkowski. I'm one of the pastors here at City Church. And um, if you're particularly keen-eyed, you may have noticed in the worship guide today that it said, as this is a fifth Sunday, there is no children's worship. And if you're a parent, you might have freaked out a little bit. That's just an error. That's leftover from last week. So the kids are off at children's worship. And we now get to turn our attention to a message that God has for us this afternoon. You know, it's May, and the beginning of May, I have found increasingly, is the moment where most of our minds turn to summer. We begin thinking about the end of school, we begin to think about the pool opening, and we begin to think about summer road trips. What trips are you taking this summer? I'm a big fan of road trips in general, summer road trips, and this week I was thinking about one particular road trip that my wife Sarah and I took, and this was a trip that we took in Ireland uh, in early 2000s, I think 2003, just a couple years after we were married, and it very quickly, it was one of those trips that very quickly became a stress test for our marriage. Have you been on a trip like that? Uh, We we took a red eye uh, over and landed in Ireland and then we got a rental car and our plan was to kind of drive around Ireland and stay in different um, bed and breakfasts. This was kind of before the Airbnb. And, you know, so we get the rental car and it's a stick shift and you have to drive on the opposite side of the road. And so immediately it was like panic began to set in and we're exhausted, we're tired. And um, what, what we, we developed this little song that every time we got in the car, we would sing out loud to remind ourselves, stay to the left, stay to the left, stay to the left. So we would ride on the right side of the road, the left side of the road, the correct side of the road. And, you know, we're going around Ireland on these, these tiny little roads and, um, and, and we learned so much about each other on this road trip. One of the things we learned was kind of what is the pace of a trip or a vacation going to be uh, for, for us and it was very different from the family that I grew up in where the pace was, you know, stop at every historical marker and uh, visit, you know, as many places as you can. And that wasn't the, the pace that we wanted. And we learned other things too. You know, if you've ever been to Ireland, there's this, this gorgeous spot, it's called the Cliffs of Moher. And it's, there's erosion and there are these, uh, just these epic cliffs. And unlike in America, when you go to the, the, the tourist sites, there are no like fences or, or like you have complete access to the edge of the cliff. And I was a little more eager to get close to the edge than my wife was. And so we, we learned some about each other on this road trip. But the highlight was, um, it was, it was soon after I almost got blown off the Cliffs of Moher by an unexpected gust of wind. Um, we were headed to a, a bed and breakfast in a little town called Doolin. And Doolin is known for uh, Irish folk music. And we got there not super late in the evening. It was probably six or so in the evening. And we go up to this uh, um, bed and breakfast and kind of are knocking on the door trying to figure out where we're supposed to be. And there was a letter taped to the door. 
and it was a letter from the, the guy who owned, just the, the, the Irishman who owned this uh, bed and breakfast, and he said in this letter, I, I have it at home, I meant to bring it today, but I forgot to, it said, um, Mr. Bonkowski, welcome to Doolin. Um, we're very happy you're here. You can find us down at the local pub in town. And then he gave us turn-by-turn directions to go and find him where he was with all his Irish friends having a pint of Guinness. And, and so it's just this remarkable moment that we felt like, okay, this was the real Irish experience. You see, that's what road trips do. They, they uh, help us experience our relationships differently. They uh, give us a window into different aspects of life. And I share all that because um, what we're going to do starting today is we're going to start a new sermon series looking at uh, Luke's gospel beginning at chapter 10. And in Luke chapter 10, it's the beginning of a road trip with Jesus where Jesus has turned his face towards Jerusalem and he says to his friends, his disciples, he says, come along with me. I want you to go on this trip with me. And I want you to learn from me and about me as we go on this trip. You know, the idea of a trip, a road trip, is uh, kind of a universal human motif. Think for a minute about the number of books, the number of movies, the number of songs that tap in to this idea of a trip, an adventure, an epic And think about why that's the case. Because what, what I want you to to discover through this series is that the reason that a trip is such a universal human motif is not just because we have this yen to move on geographically, but because we feel the same thing spiritually. That each of us longs for a spiritual adventure, longs for a spiritual trip that will take us back home. And we're going to see that over the summer as we look at Luke chapters 10 through 14. And as we watch Jesus on his trip to Jerusalem with his friends, if we have eyes to see, if we have open minds, if we have open hearts, we'll see that the lessons that Jesus is teaching his disciples, he is also teaching us. That we can learn about who Jesus is and what it means to be on the road with Jesus. So in order to get into this, let's read uh, scripture together now. I'm going to read mostly from chapter 10, although I'm going to read one verse in uh, chapter 9 just to set the table a little bit. So I'm going to read verse 51 in chapter 9 and then move on to chapter 10, verses 1 through 24. Here's what it says. When the days drew near for him to be taken up, he, that's Jesus, set his face to go to Jerusalem After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, in every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I'm sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house, eating and drinking what they provide. For the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. 
Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet, we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in, in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades. The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy, and nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. In that same hour, he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. All things have been handed over to me by my Father, and no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Then, turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see, and did not see it, and to hear what you hear, and did not hear it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Please pray with me. Father, we know you're present with us by your spirit, and we ask that that spirit would now guide us into all truth and understanding of this, your word. Help us to see Jesus walking on the road to Jerusalem. And may we join him by faith, sustained by his grace, and filled with his love. We pray this in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. So today I want to talk about what life on the road with Jesus looks like. And there's a lot in this passage. I'm not going to talk about all of it. But I want to talk about three things in particular. I want to talk about the fact that life on the road with Jesus is mission, that it's security, and that it's the good life. So first, life on the road with Jesus is mission. We see this at the very start of the passage, right? We, we see that Jesus has turned his face to Jerusalem. And the very first thing he does is he sends out 72 of his followers, 72 of his disciples. We're, we're used to the 12 disciples, but here it's an even bigger group that he sends out on mission. He's saying, if you want to come with me on the road, I'm sending you out says in, in verse 2 that the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Being on the road with Jesus is being close with Jesus. That's where it starts. 
but then it becomes being sent out by Jesus. We need both sides of that reality. And so it makes sense that today here at City Church, it's Ministry Partner Sunday. I wish that I had the foresight to plan the passage to that idea. It just works out that way. Of course, we'd find it on pretty much every page of Scripture. Every passage presents God and Jesus as ascending God. A God who says, come, walk with me. And as you walk with me, I'm going to send you out into the mission field, into these fields that are white with harvest. There's fruitful work to be done, and you, on the road with Jesus, are the person to do that work. The whole idea behind what Alex explained a minute ago is that you would have opportunity today to interact with some of the laborers who are working in God's mission field here in Richmond, and some beyond Richmond, across the world. You know, Julie, I appreciated her honesty in saying, gosh, I I can't even think about an additional commitment or another way that I may be sent out. Friends, there are a myriad of ways that you can join in partnership with these ministry partners. Just by reading their emails to know what they're doing, you will join with their work. You read their email and then you pray for them. The power of prayer. Jesus is saying, pray that God would send more out into the mission field. Can you join in that work with these ministry partners? Or maybe your role isn't to volunteer or to serve. Maybe you don't have time to give, but maybe you have money to give to them. These are uh, folks that we have kingdom partnership throughout the world with, and there's an opportunity for us to do more than just write a check as a church, but for us to know them and share with them. So our time before the service where for an hour we prayed together. We had people joining over Zoom, people in Prague, and people in Atlanta praying for our ministry partners. It's all part of our being on mission with Jesus as we walk with him on the road. Now, what's the nature of this mission? Well, Jesus tells us in this passage, a couple times in this, these first 10 verses, he says uh, it's a kingdom mission. What does it mean to be on the road with Jesus? Well, it means to be on mission, and specifically on mission with the kingdom of heaven. He says replete, repeatedly, as you go, announce to those places, the kingdom of heaven is near. Heal and proclaim the good news. That's what the mission is. It's saying that the very presence of God himself is here in this place, offering hope, offering a picture of what life is meant to be. You know, the other thing we we did yesterday, it's been a full weekend here at City Church, we had a parenting seminar yesterday morning, and it was such a rich time, and, and as I was sitting there, I was thinking, this is part of this passage as well because many of you right now a big part of the way that you're sent out on mission is as parents to your children bringing the kingdom of heaven near to them speaking grace offering peace to your children that counts that's part of life on the road with Jesus You know, and one of the things that Kim and Kevin Green who are our main speakers for the parenting seminar they they said The the biggest thing that you can offer to your kids is your presence of being with them. 
If you, as a believer, have the Holy Spirit of God within you, you bear the kingdom of heaven wherever you go. So even with your children, when they like you and when they don't like you, you go towards them and you say, the kingdom of heaven is drawing near to you. God's way of living, God's love, God's grace, God's hope is near to you. What is it today that is keeping you from stepping into kingdom mission on the road with Jesus. So the first thing about life on the road with Jesus is mission. The second thing is security. Right? Uh, uh, think back to this scene that's described for us. Right? The, it starts in Luke 10 with Jesus saying, hey, I'm on the road and I'm sending you out. You've got work to do. I've given you authority. I've given you power. I expect you to be engaged in this mission with me. And so all the disciples go out. These 72 disciples go out. We don't know for how long they go out, but they, they carry this ministry outward to the surrounding area. And then they come back to Jesus. And they're filled with these great stories, aren't they? They've been on the, these trips. And they're coming back to Jesus, their teacher, their friend. And they're eager to tell them all the things that they saw. Right? It says in verse 17, the 72 returned with joy, saying, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. They have great stories to tell. They're on this high, this spiritual high after being engaged in God's mission. This is such a human response, right? Think about the last trip that you went on. And part of what makes it great, part of what makes it exciting is sharing that joy with other people. That's why you pull your phone out and you start swiping through photos. And you say, look at this. Let me tell you about the things we saw on this trip. Right? Of course, beware of the uh, road trip one-upper. You know this guy, right? Who, like, you're showing them the pictures, and then they're like, oh, yeah, well, when I was in Paris, here's what I did. Or they're like, oh, but did you go to that restaurant? And you're like, let me have my moment, right? It's maybe, the, the only thing worse, maybe, is the, the pre-road trip guy, right? The you've got to go here guy. Nobody likes you've got to go here guy. It's my trip, okay? I'm going to go where I want to go. But the, but the idea holds, right? We, we naturally want to talk about the things that we see, the people that we've met on our trips. And, and that's what's happening with Jesus as the disciples return. They're filled with these great stories. But notice what Jesus says. His, his, his response is profound. He says, in verses 19 and 20, first he, he kind of affirms all the things that they did, all the things that he saw them do. Nevertheless, don't rejoice in this. But rejoice that your names are written in heaven. Don't rejoice in the fact that Satan himself was falling from heaven. Don't rejoice that the spirits are subject to you in my name. There's something greater. It's that your names are written in heaven. You see, Jesus is telling us that life on the road with him, our real security, isn't in what we do. It isn't in the fantastic things that we see the Spirit of God do. Our real identity and security is that our names are written in his book, we belong to him. 
The most important thing about being on the road with Jesus is the with Jesus part. It's our participation with him. It's our belonging to him through faith. It's that we are united to Christ. This phrase, your name is written in heaven, it, uh, it echoes throughout the scripture. You'll find it in the Psalms, you'll find it in the prophets, you'll find it especially in the book of Revelation. Multiple times that talk about our names being written in heaven. It's this simple idea, it's that uh, you belong to God, that God is with us, and that we are his. And Jesus is saying, that is your security, not your fruitfulness, not your effectiveness, not the great things that you see in your life or in other people's lives. Your security is in me. I think this is so important. Maybe I feel this way because I've been in vocational ministry. I've been a professional Christian for my whole life. I know how tempting it can be to put my identity and my security and how many people show up in the stories that we can tell in the email newsletter. No, Jesus is saying rejoice in this, that your names are written in my book. And this applies for all of us. It applies for our ministry partners, some of whom are here today. They need to hear that from us. Oh, we're so glad that you're having success, that the Lord is blessing your work. But I want you to remember that there's something greater than all that. Your name is written in his book. Or for those of you who are parents. And you don't see a lot of fruit. You don't see the Satan falling from heaven. That's not happening in your house. Right? Where are you rejoicing? When your kid is disobedient, when your kid is far from home, when you're aware again of all the ways that you have failed as a father or the ways that you have failed as a friend, don't rejoice in this. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. That's the source of your security. Most important is not your mission for Jesus. It's his mission to you. It's that he loves you. It's that his grace has come to you. You know, I think we live in this day and age right now. We, I was talking with some friends about this this morning, that we live in this time of cancel culture, right? We're afraid that we're going to be canceled. We're going to be rejected. And this passage talks about rejection some too. This, this is an old fear, but it's heightened right now. It's intensified right now. And what we fear is that we're going to be rejected or canceled because of a mistake we made. When people see us at our worst, they're going to remember that, right? Because someone's always got uh, the, 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 uh, the, the camera out. Someone's always remembering. The internet never forgets. And we're going to be judged by our worst. You know what this passage is saying? You aren't judged by your worst. This passage goes further than that, though. It says, you aren't judged by your best. You are judged by Christ's best. That's where your value comes from. That's where your identity comes from. 
That's where your security comes from. Nevertheless, rejoice in this, that your name is written in the book of heaven because of Christ's finished work for you. That's life on the road with Jesus. Where have you been searching for security? Outside of the security that the gospel offers you. Let's walk this road together. Wouldn't it be so great to begin to find our security in Jesus and not in all these other things? All right, I've talked about life on the road being a life of mission and life on the road with Jesus bringing security. And the last thing I want to talk about is blessing or the good life. You know, there was, uh, when I was growing up, this was a long time ago, this was the mid-80s, there was uh, a beer commercial for uh, Milwaukee's Best Beer, and it had a tagline. The tagline was this, it just doesn't get any better than this. It was, a bun- it was usually a bunch of guys, yes, guys, white guys, sitting around like a campfire after a day of hunting or fishing or something, and, you know, they're wearing their flannel, and they would crack open a nice Milwaukee's Best Beer, And then one of these clowns would pipe up and say, you know, boys, it just doesn't get any better than this. And it was a ridiculous commercial. For some reason, it's lodged in my brain. But I think that that, the attitude there, right, we all can identify with that. And I think particularly the best road trips produce that in us. You've been on a trip, maybe with your family or with some of your friends. You've uh, seen things that you've never seen before. You've had experiences that you've never had. You've eaten food that's fantastic. And at the end of a day, you feel so satisfied. And you look around at these friends and say, you know what? It doesn't get any better than this, does it? I want to suggest to you that that's what we should feel like when we're on the road with Jesus. Because what Jesus is offering, what he's showing to his disciples and what he's showing to us is that life on the road with Jesus is the best life imaginable. He says this, in fact, in verse 23. He says, then turning to his disciples, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. And this word blessed, it sounds like such a churchy word. It's such a religious word. The, the word blessed, again, is, is this, this common biblical word. It's got tons of lineage in the Bible. Wolfie read for us Psalm 1, which begins, Blessed is the man who walks in this way, right? It's picking up that theme. It's the word of the Beatitudes. Well, what are the Beatitudes? Blessed are those who live this way. Any time the word blessed shows up, it's God saying, here's the good life. Pay attention here. I'm going to show you the way you ought to live. And not not the way you ought to live as though it's some sort of law, but the way you ought to live because it's the life I made you for. Blessed is this life. Here's the good life. And he's saying to his disciples, you're blessed because you've seen it. You've caught a vision of what it means to be on the road with me. And that's what you are made for. Friends, we need to hear this message because we are inundated every day with alternative visions of the good life. And Jesus is saying the good life is found on the road with me. Do you believe that? 
Do you believe that stepping out on mission into the, the kingdom mission of God is the good life? Do you believe that finding your security in the gospel of Jesus alone is the good life? Friends, I assure you that it is. What are your alternative visions of the good life? John Piper wrote a book a long time ago, and he, he sort of summarized the good life as softball and seashells, right? Especially for retirees. That's the goal, that you play softball and you collect seashells. What is it today for you? Is it Netflix and takeout? Is that the good life? Is it possessions and power? Is that the good life? Jesus is pointing us to the good life. He says, blessed are the eyes that see what you see. The good life is on the road with Jesus. And that is a life that's filled with grace and a life that's filled with risk. I don't want to paper over some of the the, the realities that these disciples heard from Jesus. There's great risk. Don't take a lot with you. Go knowing that your message is going to be rejected. Go knowing that people are going to resist the kingdom of heaven. And you know what? It's the good life. Jesus says in this passage, you've seen what kings and prophets long to see. All the wise people, all the powerful people, all the rich people throughout human history have tried to seek out what is the good life. What resources do I need to get the good life? And Jesus says, your eyes are blessed because you've seen it. You've seen it. And this humble teacher with sandaled feet, turning his face to Jerusalem and walking a lonely path to a cross. That's the good life. The good life, scanning a crowd of people, not for the rich and powerful and important, but for the hurting and marginalized and defeated by life. That's the good life. Do you believe it? You see, in this way, I think a life on the road with Jesus is a life to the home that we were made for, but we've never seen. Let me explain that. A few years ago, when our kids were younger, we we took a road trip up to Norwich, Vermont, which is the town that I grew up in. And I was really excited to be able to show my kids the house I grew up in and the school that I went to when I was their age. Because I knew that in going to my hometown, they would discover um, part of who I am. They would come to understand me better. Right? That's, uh, we take so much identity from the hometown that we came from. But what I want you to think about, what I want you to realize, is that our true home isn't just where we have come from, but it's what we're made for, and it's where we're going. It's heaven. That's our true home. And so all these road trips that we're on, all this journeying that we're taking throughout our lives, 
It's all motivated by this longing for the place that God made us for. And now, day by day, through faith, as we walk on the road with Jesus, we're getting closer. You know, I wanted so badly for my kids to see Norwich, Vermont. Because then they would know who I am. But don't you see that every day I walk on the road with Jesus, they're seeing who I really am. As I'm remade by Jesus' grace, as I trust him and step out and take terrible risks, they see that I am made for heaven. And as you do the same, your children and your family and your friends in the watching world will see the same thing. Let's pray. Gracious Father, I thank you that in Jesus Christ, you have shown us the good life, the true life, the rich life, abundant life. And I pray for us as a community this summer as we walk on this road with Jesus that you will open our minds and our hearts to more and more. Make us hungry for the security that comes from your grace and make us willing to walk with you at great cost and into great risk because we know that we are on the road with Jesus, our Savior. We pray this all in his name. Amen.